0: Welcome to the Church of Rocky Peak's downloadable messages and podcast. Well, good morning. Good, morning. good to see you, uh, especially those of you who are normally here at nine. Uh, yes, I see you out there. I want to welcome those of you who came to our 10 o'clock service today and stayed for the eleven. All right, So... <laughs> Hey, it's good to be with you. My name's Mike, and I'm the lead pastor here at the church at Rocky Peak. And if this is your very first time, oh, we do want to welcome you. We're just really glad you're here. And we're going to go into our time of teaching right now. So inside your, your uh, program is a message note sheet we use for every week during that time. And so uh, if you're, you're new, you may not know that. You want to pull that out, and, uh, and we're going to jump on in. So you guys all ready to go? Yeah. All right, let's pray. God, thank you for uh, a new day, a fresh start, a new series uh, it's always exciting to, to launch into a new series, to see what you have for us uh, in our lives as a church as we, we kind of launch into the future. And, and so, God, we pray that you come and meet us today and, and talk about this, this relationship between power and pain in the life of a uh, Christ follower and, and how your power is almost best revealed, often revealed, even in the midst of pain. And so, we pray you teach us and, and disciple us and lead us today as we uh, pursue you together. We pray that in your name. Amen. So, how many of you have ever gone through a hard time in your life? Just anyone? Yeah, quite a few. That's good. That's good. Uh, <laughs> the rest of you are, Nina, uh, next week we're talking about integrity. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, we've all been there, done that, right? And, and so... Uh, this series that we're, we're launching, it's really a four-week series. Um, we're going to be covering the whole uh, letter of 2 Corinthians. It's a long letter. I mean, we'll be in it for a long time. But because it's long, we're breaking it down into subsets, sort of subset, sub-series. And so this first series is just a four-week series called The Power and the Pain. We're going to cover the first couple chapters, first, uh, chapter 1 and 2 of Second Corinthians. So 2 uh, Corinthians, it's a letter from a man we call uh, you know, the Apostle Paul. Uh, that was his, his name, and he's writing to a church of Christ followers that he started about five years before in the southern tip of Greece, which is in a, a city called Corinth, which is still there today. And so, so this letter, you know, the movement of Jesus is very young. And so when Paul came into Corinth, uh, we're actually told about this in Acts chapter 18, if you want to check it out later. But he comes in, and he's with a team. He's got uh, Timothy. He's got Silas with them. They share the message of Jesus in this this major city that had never heard. Can you can you imagine that? Like a major metropolitan area that had never heard the message of Jesus. And so, so Corinth is a, is a famous city. It was the capital of the. Of this uh, kind of Roman province called Achaea, and it was a seaport. It was a place where east met west. Uh, one author has described it as it's a place where Los Angeles meets. Uh, new York meets Las Vegas. It was uh, a high-powered, fast-moving, entrepreneurial place, a lot of new wealth there, uh, very pagan, very uh, sexual, seaport, uh, very cosmopolitan. And so, so it's a lot like our world today. And so, so Paul has come in about five years ago, shared the message of Jesus uh, people came to Christ, uh, a community, a, a, new, a new movement of Jesus was started, church was started, but, but the tragedy was is that uh, for the most part, these people had never really grown. And, and this is really a sad thing. It's possible to come to Jesus, have his Holy Spirit enter in our life, but because we're not really listening to his leading or following, we're kind of more like the culture around us than like Jesus. And, and so this is what had happened, is that they'd come to Christ, but they'd never really been transformed, and that was leading to a lot of problems in their church. And one of the biggest problems in their church, there was a movement in their church that was really questioning the authority and the leadership of the Apostle Paul in their life. Now, he, he led them to Christ, he's their spiritual father, but of course, he's been away for years at and so there, there's some new false teachers that have come in, question his authority, and there's all kinds of reasons why they were questioning it. We're going to cover them in this series, but but the, the the number one reason was that Paul's was life was often in a jam. Uh, it was not easy being an apostle in, in the first century. And so you're taking the message of Jesus where it's never gone. And so, so there was a lot of uh, a rejection, hatred. Uh, Paul was often beaten. Uh, he was often thrown in prison, life in danger, hungry, poor, homeless. He wasn't your picture kind of of, of how to be successful you know, in the world. And so, so these false teachers were coming in and they were saying wait a second, uh, why, why are we really following Paul? Why are you following Paul? He's such a loser. And he claims to be this apostle, but I don't think he really was. And, and he's, he's such a loser. Uh, how is the power of God being revealed in his life when his life is always such a mess? You know, so, so they were questioning this and, and there were many in the church who were buying in. And so it raises this whole issue of of the power and the pain. Uh, and, and so as Christ followers, what do we expect in terms of experiencing the power of Jesus, but also the pain and suffering of Jesus? And so what Paul is gonna say is as followers of Jesus, that we are called to share both in his sufferings and in his resurrection. That as followers of Jesus, there's going to be many times where God leads us through hard times in our life, not because he doesn't love us, but because he does, because the reality is he does some of his best work in the hard times. And it's there in the hard times, he meets us, transforms us, uh, shapes us to be like Jesus, reveals his supernatural power in our life, as we are able to be more than conquerors in the midst of the pain, and, and then changes us so that we can be people who can be wounded healers for others and can speak into their life. And so, uh, today, what we're going to do is we're going we're to jump in, first 11 verses, jump right in. Paul is going to introduce himself, uh, do kind of a standard ancient greeting who it's from, who it's to. The letters work this way, uh, give them a kind of a, a word of greeting, and then he's going to jump into this issue of pain in his life and why as an apostle uh, Jesus allows him to go through so much pain in his life. But of course, along the way, we're going to learn some lessons about the way pain and, and, uh, and, and power work in our lives. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. If you don't have your Bible, just look on with someone who does. I'm sure I'd be happy to share that with you. And so uh, we're going to pick it up, chapter 1 and verse 1. Sounds like you're all there or you're all asleep. But I, I'm assuming you're all there. Uh, so here we go. So Paul, he's an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now what comes next? He's apostle of Jesus Christ What by what? Yes. By, by the will of God. Good, you are there. Uh, and, and so, um, I was just checking. Um, and, and so that's going to be important in a minute. And he says, it's from Timothy, our brother. Remember when Paul came into Corinth five years before, started this church, Timothy was with him. They, they knew Timothy. And so he says, from Timothy, our brothers, to the church of God in Corinth, and it's together with all the saints throughout Achaia. Uh, saints just means Christ's follower. And, and Achaia was the larger region, what we would call Greece today. So Corinth was the capital city of the Roman province of Achaia. Okay, so, so, so it starts off, typical ancient letter, who it's from, who it's to. But I want to point out a couple of things. Notice, first of all, that Paul de- describes himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ uh, by the will of God. And that's very important because that's the big issue in this letter. Are you really an apostle or not? And so right at the beginning, kind of a warning shot over the bow, I'm an apostle by the will of God. He's chosen me for that. Uh, and then he's, and then notice it's to the church of Corinth that, like I said, this major metropolitan area, seaport, a place where east meets west where these people had come to Christ about five years before And so now he launches into his greeting and he says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now if you've been a follower of Jesus for any length of time, you've probably noticed this that Paul often starts his letter, grace and peace, right? And, And so these are like spiritual code words for the Apostle Paul, that they pack a punch. Uh, grace refers to that as followers of Jesus the reason we have relationship with God is all because of his grace isn't it it's not because of us it's not because of our performance it's not because it's all because of his grace his love we didn't deserve through the cross of Christ and so he often starts with grace and then peace talks about this new relationship we have with God as his sons and daughters the war is over we're no longer God's enemies through the cross of Christ we've been reconciled brought back to God and so now there is peace with God so these words, grace and peace, are are not just a greeting. They're powerful statements of who we are as Christ's followers. And it's it's why he starts. His letter's this way. And now he's going to jump into this issue. Remember, the issue is, Paul, if you're truly an apostle, if the power of Jesus resides on your life, if God has called you an apostle, then why is your life such a mess? And recently, he had just gone through a a near-death experience Chances are they'd heard about this. We're going to get to it in verse 8. But, but so he's going to launch in, and I'm sure his, his enemies are, are saying, look, there he goes again. You know, he's just such a loser. And so Paul's going to launch into this issue uh, of why he suffers as an apostle. And, of course, it has implications for why we suffer as Christ's followers. So here we go. So praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the father of what? Compassion. Can okay, i say it again. He's the father of what? compassion so, so in other words that what we're going to find in this series is that what God doesn't promise for us as Christ followers is that we're never going to go through hard times he, he doesn't promise that what he promises is that he's going to meet us in the midst of those transform us use us reveal himself and reveal his power in our life in the midst of the hard times that we will experience God and his true love and compassion for us not by avoiding all pain but by experiencing God in the midst of the pain does that make sense so he's the father of compassion, and he is uh, the God of all comfort. And he says he comforts us, and of course he's talking about us as apostles now, he, that's the topic. He he's comforts us in our troubles so that we in turn can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. And so, so one of the lessons we're going to learn today is that one of the reasons that God allows us to go through hard times is to shape us and change us and prepare us so we can speak with power and authenticity into the lives of others who are going through hard times and to bring them hope in the midst of their hardship. He says, verse five, for just as the sufferings of Christ flow over, and in the Greek, it would be better translated overflow. He's talking about how many there are. Just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so through Christ also our comfort overflows. So catch this. We're going to chase this down in Second Corinthians chapter 4, chapter 6, chapter 11, that Paul is going to talk about the amazing sufferings that he goes through as an apostle. As an apostle of Jesus, as a leader of the movement, taking the movement of Jesus where it's never God, he went through incredible suffering in his life. It was just part of his job description. In fact, when Jesus first appeared to him on the road to Damascus, he said, I will show you how much you have to suffer for me. And, and so later on we get to chapter 11. We're going to see this long list. You know he was shipwrecked three times. He was uh, lost at sea night, uh, night and day out in the ocean for 24 hours. He was whipped five times by the Jewish authorities. He was beaten multiple times with rods by the, the Roman authorities. He was spent years in prison. His life was constantly in danger. He was poor. He was hungry. He was sleepless. His life was a life of suffering. All right. So what he says in verse 5 is for just as the sufferings of Christ overflow in our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. So in other words, that, He says, as a leader, uh, God's called me to suffer on behalf of his church in this movement on your behalf. And he says, but here's the good news. The suffering is amazing, but the, the comfort of God is more amazing. Because in the midst of my suffering, God meets me and empowers me and changes me in ways I never could be changed otherwise. And so when the Apostle Paul uses the word comfort today, I want you to translate it in your own mind to think of the word power. Because he's not talking about a superficial comfort. Like, like often in our culture, we use the word comfort. It's not really very comforting. So for example, like when someone tries to comfort you, you know, they come alongside, they're there, it will be okay, right? And so what do you want to do? You want to slap them and say, no, it won't be okay. It's horrible. It's life is painful. And so he's not talking about there, there, life, you know, Jesus comes there, there. What he's talking about is that in the midst of his suffering, God comes and meets him in a powerful way. That that shapes and changes and totally changes his perspective. That allows him to overcome supernaturally in the midst of his suffering in such a way that everyone's going like, how does anyone do that? How does anyone get beat up five times and have your back torn up five times and keep on going? How does someone get beat down with rod? How does someone spend a night and day in the ocean? How do you live constantly in danger and yet you just keep on going? You're like a Timex watch in the old commercials. You take a lick. keep on ticking he's like how does that happen like what can empower a man to continue to do that he says it's the power of God in my life and he says so God allows me to go through hard times so that he can reveal his power in my life and so now he goes on in verse six he says so if we're distressed you know if we as uh, uh, apostles are distressed it's for your comfort and salvation Uh, If we're comforted, it's for uh, your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. So Paul says, as a leader, God allows me to go through the pain first so that when you go through your pain, I can speak with power and authority to tell you there is a God. He's a God of compassion. He loves you amazing. Let me tell you what he did in my life and empower you. he says that's part of the job of being a leader is going through uh, the suffering first. And so then in verse uh, seven, and our hope for you is firm, we're confident that you're gonna continue following Christ um, because we know that you, uh, just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. So he says, in the, the, verse six, he says, if we go through, Comfort, it's for your comfort, which produces in the, sa- the patient endurance and the same suffering. So apparently they're going through some suffering for Christ, some persecution too. He says, God lets us go through it. He empowers us, teaches us, shapes us, and then he sends us out to strengthen you. Now he's going to go in verse 8 to this case study I mentioned earlier. That the last three years before Paul wrote this letter, he was stationed, God had him in the city of Ephesus, which was in the province, Roman province of Asia, which is modern day Turkey. So it's right across the Aegean Sea from the southern tip of uh, Greece where they were at. And so uh, apparently towards the end of this time, Paul went through a near-death experience. It was a time in his life that many scholars believe was a uh, life-changing experience. It was a time of such extreme suffering, and we've talked about the kind of suffering he's gone through before I wrote this letter, but apparently it was the worst of the worst. It was a time in his life where he came to the end of his ropes. He thought, this is it. Uh, God's got me through a lot, but I, I'm going down this time. And so it was apparently some kind of persecution. We don't know for sure. We, we know that um, that Paul at one point in Ephesus uh, was, uh, was, there was a riot. He was threatened to be torn apart. He could be referring to that. We're told that in Acts. But we don't really know. But what we know, it was, it was life-threatening. It was uh, uh, kind of a, uh, near death experience so in verse 8 uh, he says we don't want you to be uninformed brothers and, and so it's very likely these false teachers were pointing to this recent incident that he'd gone through As see there it is again how can the power of God be evidenced in his life when he's such uh, a loser and he's always getting beat up and so we don't want you to be uninformed brothers about the hardships that we suffered in the province of Asia that's Turkey we were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure now catch that line far beyond our ability. I don't know if you've been there in your life, but there are times where the suffering is so great you feel like it's far beyond your ability to endure. And, uh, and he says, and it was so bad that we despaired of life. We thought, this is it, we're going down for the last time. Indeed, in our hearts we felt a sentence of death. He says, it's almost like a judge that said, you're, you're dying, this is your time. Uh, he said, but this happened, and he says, there's a reason why. And what we're going to learn today is that God often has reasons why he allows us to go through hard times. And he says, yes, I was being persecuted. Yes, they were, uh, you know, whoever they were, pagans or Jewish leaders, whoever it was who was about to kill him. But he says, but God had a reason. And here it comes. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So we'll talk about this later, but one of the hardest lessons in life is to learn to really trust in God, to rely on God. And he said that, that God, through this experience, took him to a new, whole new level of being able to rely on God and there, thereby plugging into God's power. And so verse 10, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril, Lord, he caused us to escape, and he will deliver us. On him we've set our hope that he will continue to deliver us And as you help by your prayers. And so he's reminding them. Remember remember Corinth, there's many people at Corinth that he's not getting along with. He loves them passionately. But there's many that are questioning his leadership. And he's reminding them, hey, we're in this together. I'm your apostle. I need your prayers. I need you praying for me, for my protection. And he says, uh, as you help by your prayers. He says, and then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to, to the prayers of many so we're out here we're sharing the gospel you're praying for us other churches are praying as God supernaturally protects and delivers then many praises will go back to God for his protection and that's the bottom line we want God to receive the honor the glory and the praise for Paul that was the bottom line always okay and so so here's the intro to this le- this letter who is from who is to Uh, a greeting, and then he jumps right into this issue of this criticism. Paul, how can you truly be an apostle of Jesus? How can his power of the resurrection be evident in your life when your life is such a mess and you're always getting vip? So it's kind of strange for us today, isn't it? Because to us, Paul is this hero of the faith, but at the time, his suffering, rather than being part of his credential of authenticity, was actually being part of the reason he was being questioned in Corinth for why is your life such a mess? And so, uh, so what it does is it inter- gives us this intro into this letter with one of the major topics of this letter is, is as Christ followers, uh, what do we expect? What does it look like to follow Jesus? And what do we expect in terms of pain? And what do we expect in terms of power? All right, so how does that work out in the life of a Christ follower? So there in your note sheet, there's a section called the power and the pain, uh, how it works and what to expect. And of course, this is gonna guide us through this whole series. The kind of two principles are gonna guide us through this whole series. So number one. The first principle goes like this, is that God uses hard times to grow us. Hey, okay? God uses a hard time to grow. Can I hear an amen? Is, amen. Have, you, have any of you ever experienced this in your life? Right? Like, like no one wants to go through hard times, right? Anyone want to sign up here? For hard times today we got we got some sign up in the back just you know sign up and you'll be the chosen ones of rocky Pete, no like like no one wants to go through hard times but have you ever noticed this as you look back on your life the the way that God has often shaped you uh grown you the most is through hard times right like I, I remember uh I had a close friend of mine he's still a close friend that about 20 years together, we were in a small group, we were in a life group, and there were a series of things broke out in his life, but uh, the end result of it was his wife decided to leave him. He, he didn't want it to happen, it led to a very painful divorce, and it was a devastating time in his life. And, and yet, because of that pain, uh, it, it kind of drew him, uh, he was forced to seek God. Like like pain has a way of focusing us on what's most important, right? And during pain, uh, the other things distractions tend to get pushed aside, and we really begin to seek God in, in a new and wholehearted way. And that's what he began to do. And God began to meet him in the most powerful way he'd ever been met by God in the midst of his pain. And so, sitting in that at uh, an unfurnished apartment, uh, listening to Dances with Wolves soundtrack uh, that night, uh, and just kind of spending hours with God night after night in his word, just pouring out his heart, seeking God because he was in such pain. But but he would tell you that there was no other time in his life where he has experienced the presence and the power of God as much as those months, that year, and God shaped him and and developed him for the coming years uh, of his life. And it's true, isn't it? It's said, during the pain that God often has our attention and it, it causes us to learn and to draw close in ways that we never would any other time. And so so I don't know about you, but as I look back at times of my pain, uh, pain in my life, I, I never wanna go through it again, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. You know what I'm saying? Just, because in those times, uh, God shapes us, he transforms us, he, he, he uh, creates character in our life, he develops strength and perspective and purpose and, and meaning, and so the New Testament is full of teaching like this, and there in your note sheet, there's several passages that if you want to explore this more this week, you can take a look at some of the things that pain does in our lives. But the problem was, for the Apostle Paul, is, is that there is this major criticism, coming in his life, that, that how can you be an apostle? Uh, how, where is the power of God? You're always thrown in prison. You're getting beaten. I mean, we want the God of Moses, right? Who splits the Red Sea. Like we want the God of David who conquers the Canaanites. Like we, we want the God with fire from heaven and mountain. Where is that God in your life as a Christ follower? You're, you're just always losing. And so it would appear that what's going on is that these false teachers that have come into uh, Corinth, they're they're presenting kind of what Paul will call later another gospel, another Jesus. And as we look at it, it's very similar to the gospel that sometimes preached on late night TV, or not always late night, on TV that we would call today kind of a health, wealth, prosperity gospel. And so if you've ever watched TV, and you're really bored, and there's nothing else on, and so you find yourself on one of these stations, that that you will find some of these teachers out there that are presenting sort of another gospel. And the gospel is this, is that if you give your life to Jesus, if you trust in Jesus, if you're walking in obedience, and if you give me a lot of money, uh, that God will bless your life, and so you won't go through hard times that as a follower of Jesus, you're a son of God, you're a daughter of the King, He wants the best for you. And so, uh, they, they kind of been spell out what this means. If you're going through hard times, God will rescue you. If you get sick and your faith is strong enough, He'll always heal you. If you give money to God generously, you'll always be blessed financially and never go through hard times. And so, This kind of teaching is still out there today. It's it's another gospel, it's a false gospel. And what what Paul says is, no, as followers of Jesus, we are called to walk in his footsteps, both in the death of Jesus and the resurrection. And catch this, it's often by going through the death of Jesus, the sufferings of life, that we rise with him to new power. That that it's through the death that we we experience the power of God in our lives, the, the resurrection. So you see this throughout the Bible, that God often uses hard times to shape his people. So for example, you think of Abraham, and God calls him to lead this whole new nation, to start a new nation, but what's he have to do? He has to leave his homeland, leave his, his, go to a fort, live as an alien, uh, apart from his extended family. In a new, it's, it's a tough assignment. It's a tough assignment. You think of Moses called to lead the nation of Israel, right? Awesome assignment. Yeah, but you have to be 40 years on the backside of the wilderness guarding sheep because you killed the Egyptian and then you had to run from your, for, for your life. So for 40 years, you've been out in the hot sun uh, kind of waiting for your next assignment, not knowing that there is a next assignment. Uh, you, what about David? You know, very cool the day he comes home and and, and he's been anointed by uh, Samuel to be the next king of Israel as a teenager. That's pretty heady stuff when you're 16 years old. But, but then next 13 years of his life, he's on the run from this lunatic uh, king who, who's paranoid and jealous and out to kill him, often uh, one step away from death. Very cool to be Isaiah, to be called to be a prophet, to see the the glory of God in in heaven, the angels, holy, 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 until you find out the price of being a prophet and he ends up his life being sawn in two uh, for, for bringing the truth of God. Uh, very cool to be, to be Jeremiah until you find out what's involved bringing the truth. And of course, best example is Jesus himself, right? That Jesus came and he had to go through a death in order to achieve a resurrection. And so what, what we learn, we're going to learn in Second Corinthians is it often that the power that God brings to our life is not a power that protects us from all pain. It's a power that meets us in the midst of our pain and transforms us and changes us and empowers us to live an amazing life that will cause others to see what is going on with that person in the midst of their pain that would have decimated most people. This person is rising up, triumphing over and going on and the power of God is being revealed in your life through the pain just like the power of, of God was revealed in the life of Jesus through his death came the resurrection. And so, uh, so, so in this passage, what we're gonna learn is that God uses pain uh, uh, in this series, that God uses pain to meet us in the midst of our pain to release his power, okay? So the, the power is not to prevent us from going through pain, the power is released through the pain. Does, does this make sense? It's there that God does his best work in our life and reveals who he is through our life. So let me give you a couple examples. I want to give you a couple examples of two of the very most important lessons in life for a Christ follower that often we learn through pain. So if you were to come to me and say, Mike, what are like two of the very most important lessons that as a follower of Jesus I need to learn in order to walk with God well, to please him and to be used by him and experience God's plan for my life, there's, there's two lessons that come to my mind. I'm gonna call them, you might wanna jot these down. The first one is the lesson of absolute surrender. And the second lesson is the lesson of total reliance. Okay, two of the most important lessons for you to learn if you're going to walk well with God and please him and be used by him, experience the life, that you have to learn the lesson of absolute surrender and you have to learn the lesson of total reliance. And here's what I'm saying. It's often in times of suffering is the very best way to learn these lessons. And so we're going to take one example from the life of Jesus One example from the life of Paul that's in this passage and it's going to flesh this out. So let's talk about this lesson of absolute surrender. Catch this, if you're going to walk well with God, if God is going to have his way in your life, there has to be a process we go through where we surrender our will to his will. We have to learn this lesson of obedience. And often it's hard to learn that in the good times. Often the way we learn that is by surrendering to his will when it's painful, You see, it's really, it's impossible to learn how to obey really during good times because what you want and what God wants is the same. But when God leads you into a situation where it is painful to obey him, now is where you learn this lesson. And you learn to surrender your will to his will. And when that happens, it's like the the bones, like the broken bones of your soul are set back into what they were supposed to be. So, So now you're living for him and this new power then comes into your life. And so we see this in the life of Jesus. You know, Jesus obviously as the son of God was perfect, right? But he had to grow like the rest of us. He had to grow in his maturity as a human being. And so what we're going to learn is that Jesus had to learn this lesson of absolute surrender. And, and the way he learned it was through the cross, through the suffering. And so you remember uh, the story of, of Gethsemane and how he's there the night he's arrested. And he knows this incredible suffering that's coming. And what does he say? God, if there's any other way, I would like out of this, right? And he asks God three times. But, but he says, but in the end, he says this, this famous line of, he says, but not my will, but yours be done and so what does he do he says but if this is your call in my life this suffering that I'm going to surrender to that suffering and and what I want you to catch is this was a pivotal moment in Jesus life that allowed him to go on and become who he is to us the one who's the author of our salvation apart from that surrender that absolute surrender he would not be able to grant us salvation today and so in the book of Hebrews here's the way the writer puts it he says, although he was a son, talking about Jesus, he, he learned what? Okay, let's say it. he learned obedience. Obe- catch this. Obedience is something you have to learn. Amen. Right? And especially for us as fallen people, like, we, we don't, it doesn't come naturally to us. What comes naturally is disobedience. Yeah. Right? Rebellion. Uh, God, forget you. That's what comes down. So, so if we're going to be realigned with God so his power can flow in our life, our lives be transformed, that we are used to be an influence and a power for him in the world, there has to be a realignment. This broken bone called obedience has to be reset, all right? And so, so it goes on. He learned obedience from what he, what? Suffered. suffered, All right? He learned it from what he suffered. And once he was made perfect or complete, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who what? Obey Obey him. In other words, he can't teach us to obey until he learns to obey. And So so he obeyed his father all his life, but now becomes the the final test, and it it comes under suffering. So, So catch this. When you go through times of suffering in your life, there are basically two choices you have you can either trust in God and say, God, I don't understand why this suffering is happening. And it's incredibly painful. But I trust that you are the Father of compassion. And I trust that you do love me. It's been demonstrated in the cross of Jesus how much you love me. And so I'm going to trust you in this, and even though I don't understand, I don't understand why my husband left me for another woman. I don't understand why my baby died. I don't understand why I have this disease in my body that's destroying my body. I don't understand why my kids have left Christ and are hooked on drugs. I don't understand why I lost my job and why I had to lose my my home, and I don't understand this pain, this struggle that I have with kind of uh, this, this pull towards the opposite or the same sex i just struggle with that i wish it didn't have that in my life and it's just such a painful thing and it's so hard to follow you and to surrender and i don't understand why i'm suffering like i am but god i trust in you and i will surrender to you and i will accept your plan for my life and I, i i will surrender my will and can i tell you something it's there It's in the suffering that the life of a Christ follower is made. And it's often very difficult to come to a place of of surrender apart from suffering. That suffering brings, but once we get there, once we get there, it releases the power of God in our life in an unbelievable way. Unbelievable way. That, That when that happens, that when we come to that place where Jesus came, we said, Not my will. But, but your will, power is reason. I'm telling you that, let me tell you that. The opposite side is equal to true. That there are many people, when that time of suffering comes, it's like, God, how could you let my baby die? How come you haven't healed me of this sickness? Why are you letting this pain go out of my life? Why did I grow up in that family? Why was I molested, God? Where were you during the And during those times, what happens is we shake our fists and say, I will not trust my life to a God who allows me to suffer like this, right? And so there is a pivotal decision that suffering forces upon us. And that decision is do we trust in God or do we not trust in God? And it brings us to a place of surrender. And at that place of surrender, just like in Jesus, it releases power for him to become a source of eternal salvation to us. So in our lives, when we come to that place of surrender, it releases the power of God in our lives to work in us and through us. Amen. Amen. All right. Okay, let's, let's go on. Let's talk about the next. Talk, yeah, yeah, it's just. Let's talk about this next, this next, this next lesson. We talked about the, the lesson of absolute surrender. Let's talk about the lesson of total reliance. Have any of you found in your life that it's hard to trust God? Anyone kind of there? Any of you found, kind of like me, that well, who you'd rather trust is yourself? Anyone like that? Yeah, yeah, like uh, for me, uh, like, like people assume because I'm a pastor that faith comes easy. Uh, uh, the wrong assumption, wrong assumption. Uh, for me, trusting God is really preferably the last thing I'd like to do. I would rather, if under all circumstances, trust myself, right? Because I have confidence in me that, that I know what my intentions are. It's hard to trust God. There's something that broke with us in the fall that when we are born as a fallen race, we have an inherent distrust of God, right? And and when we come to Jesus, that trust begins to be restored. But it's a process. And for God's power to be released in your life, you have to come to a place of total reliance. Like we have to come to a place where we are trusting in God and his power, not in us and our ability. It has to happen. You see it all through the Bible, right? But in order for that to happen, how does a person who is self-reliant come to a place of God-reliance? How does that happen? How do you move from self-reliance to God-reliance? I'll tell you, through suffering. That what happens in times of suffering, in times of pain, in times of weakness, when you've done everything you can to solve the problem and you can't solve the problem, what happens is there is a brokenness that comes into your life, isn't it? There's a brokenness that comes in, God, I can't fix this. I can't solve this. I can't do this. And it's really only at that point when we have tried our hardest and failed that we're able to really rely on God. It's much like a little kid. Like if, if you have little kids around or whatever, you know how this is. I can do it myself, right? And so you as a parent, you know you can't do it yourself. You can't tie your shoe or whatever it is. You know that. But the child doesn't know that. I can do it myself. And so as a smart parent, you don't try to convince them. You just let them try. And after about 10 minutes, they're in a heap on the floor crying. I can't do this. Will you help me? Now, how do they learn to rely on God? The parent, parent, God. (laughs) Uh, Isn't that awesome when your kids are young? You are like God. No. Uh, Anyway. Then they get old, and you're like, "No, never." What? Uh, <laughs> no, but 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 all of a sudden, your your child says, "Okay, well, I, I'll. Can you help me?" Right now, why? Because they have tried as hard as they can and failed. And what happens in our life is during times of suffering, and I don't know if you've been there. I'm sure many of you have. You've been to that point where your pain is so great, you can't go on. You come to the place you say, "I I can't endure this. I can't continue." Uh, Christ, I can't even follow you. I'm not sure I can handle this pain. I, it's beyond me. I can't solve this. And you've given it everything you have. And you've stretched your faith as much as you can. And you've, you've tried as hard as you can to follow Jesus and be faithful. And you're just flat out, you can't do it. And it's as if you're dead. Spiritually, as if you're dead. And Paul says it's when you get to that point that you begin for the first time in your life to be able to truly trust in God who raises the dead. See, I'm not sure we can really trust in God until we've exhausted trust in ourselves. But to exhaust trust in ourselves, it goes, you know how many people come to Christ through hard times? Right? I, I, I want to ask you a show, him, but how many of you came to cry? I was talking with a, a young man. I see a hand back there, amen. I I, I saw a young man last, last week. He was like young 20s, making a, a ton of money. Uh, life was successful. He was in the mortgage industry, right? And, and then the mortgage industry blew up. And through the pain of that was one of the things that brought him here four years ago on Easter Sunday to hear for the first time the message of Jesus. And he began his search and now he's become a passionate Christ follower. Why did that happen? Would that have happened without the pain? You see, see, often in our life it takes pain to take us to a place where we're, we're, we're destroyed, where we're laid out, where we can't go on. And it's there we look up and it's God. as all we can rely on. And it's there that the power of God comes in in our life. Uh, I think of my own life, Uh, uh, 18 year old kid, and and remember I started following Jesus when I was about two, so it was like 16 years in, but uh, (laughs) gone through seven dark years of my life trying so hard to follow Jesus, trying so hard to be the man he wanted me to be and just feeling like an absolute failure. I can't do this. I can't follow you. I can't love you and love people the way I am. I I can't pursue you. I don't love your word. I am a wreck. I'm a failure. I'm running down the beach in Sanibel Island in Florida about eight o'clock at night, just screaming at the top of my lungs. I think if I had a gun in my hand, I I may have killed myself. It was suicidal at that, that moment without going to all the reasons at a place in my life where I cannot do this, I can't be a Christ follower, I don't have the power, woe is me, a wretched man that I am. You know, it's just, I, I was laid out, right? And so it's at that point, it was like, God, I'm done. I can't follow you, I can't believe, I've got too many doubts, i got too many questions, I have not enough power, I don't have what it takes to follow you, right? And it's there, there is where God met me. There is where he met me. That's where he changed my life. That's where he became my hope and my power because there was a brokenness that entered in. I had done everything I could to follow him. I was an absolute failure. And out of that weakness, there came his strength, right? And this is how it works. And so this is what Paul says. Look at this. And This is Paul's story in verse eight. He says, we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond, catch us, our ability to endure. He says, I couldn't go on. Have you been there? Have you been there? You just can't go on. And then he goes on and he says, indeed, we, had the, we despaired of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sin of a death. But this happened, God was in this. In other words, there was a reason that we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. And can I tell you something? It's time of suffering. It's in time when your spouse has left you and you don't know what you're gonna do. It's a time when your baby has just died. It's a time when the pain that you've suffered for so many years in your body, you just don't think you can go on. It's at that moment the addiction has overtaken you and you just, you cannot beat this thing at yourself. It's a time when your marriage is in a mess and you cannot heal it on your own. It's at these times in our life where there's a true brokenness that enters in. And for the first time in our life, we can rely on God because we've learned not to rely ourselves. And catch this, once that brokenness happens, the power of God begins to move. Because as the Apostle Paul will say later in 2 Corinthians, he says that what I learned is that power is perfected in weakness. That when I'm weak, that I'm strong. Why? Because there's something good about weakness? No, but because weakness releases you to rely. And in reliance is the power. Right? Now, so the, first, so the first lesson that we're going to learn in this series, it, it's all about hard times and how God uses them to shape us, transform us, uh, release his power in our life in life the way of endurance that others could see, how could they ever go through this and and have that sort of power, gonna reveal God's power? But but there's a second thing that we're gonna learn and it goes like this, that God uses hard times to use us. That not only do we go through hard times, is God shaping us and changing us and making us like Christ and revealing himself and empowering us, but not, not only does that happen, But that as a result of that, when we come out of the hard time, because we've experienced God in such a powerful way, and because we've learned to trust, and because we learned to surrender, we are now prepared to speak with authority into the lives of people around us who are going through great pain and have lost hope. We're able to speak with power and authority, let me tell you about this God who is a father of compassion, and I know it doesn't look like it right now, but, but he is with you and he loves you, and he's calling to you and he wants to be with you and, and to strengthen others in the midst of this. Um, I think for most of us, when we go through hard times, our, our number one question is, God, what's in this for me? right? That's our number one thing. It's like, there's nothing wrong with that. Right? It's just basically our natural instinct of like, why am I going through this? Why has this person left me? Or why, why did I have to be abandoned? Or, or why did I lose my job? Like, what are you doing, right? And, and so obviously God's working through that to shape us. There's no question. We just talked about that. But what we often miss is that what God is doing is he allowed you to go through this hard time so that you in turn can be empowered to help others. It's gonna, ch- that, that suffering changes us. Suffering changes us. Suffering turns us into healers, if responded to it well. That, that one who has suffered well is able to speak with power into the lives of others. You, you see this in the story of Joseph in the Old Testament, and you may remember this story, but you know Joseph is betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, uh, sent down to Egypt. There he's falsely accused of rape, sent into prison. I mean, his life is going from bad to worse. But eventually, through an amazing series of supernatural events, he is released from prison, rises to a place of power in the nation, and he's able to guide the nation of Egypt through a very difficult economic time where if they hadn't had his leadership, they would have starved to death. And the amazing thing about that is he not only saves the lives of the Egyptians, but God uses him because his family that's living in Palestine, because of the famine's so severe there, they come down to Egypt, and because of his position, he's able to save their lives which in the scheme of things is huge because it's through the life of his father Jacob, that family, that the Messiah is gonna come. And so, so he's not only rescuing uh, this one family, he's preserving the, all of our salvation. And so it's a big deal. And so at the end of his life, Joseph's able to look back and this is what he says. He says to his brothers there in your note sheet in Genesis 50, he says, "'You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what's now being done, the saving of many lives. And so Joseph's able to look back and say, it, it wasn't just about me and shaping me and my life. It wasn't just about uh, kind of shaping my character, my feel. It wasn't just about me. It was about me, but it wasn't just about me. It was about what, where I was going to fit in God's plan. And have you ever thought about this, the suffering that you're going through right now or the suffering that you've gone through in your life may have not been just about you. It may have prepared you to be a wounded healer in the lives of others. Have you ever thought about that? Like like in a room like this, there is so much pain, right? In a room like this, if we were to take all of our pain of our corporate life together and put it in one place, it would be overwhelming. Uh, Some of you have been abused. Some of you, when you were young, you were molested. Some of you have gone through a rape. Uh, Many of you have gone through uh, abortions. Uh, Some of you have gone through abusive parents. Some of you have gone through lives of of poverty. Some of you have gone through tremendous sickness. Some of you have lost children uh, before their time. Some of you have gone through tragic accidents right we could go on and on so, sometimes it's it's through persecution for christ some of you here have have lost jobs or lost careers or lost because of persecution for christ lost family members uh some of us it's not because of that something's just part of being in a fallen world where evil happens in a fallen world and so we all share in that some of it it's our own decisions right? Like, like some of you were left by a spouse for someone else. You didn't want them to leave, and it's just, you were betrayed. Others of you were the betrayer right? Some of us have had tragic things happen to us. Some of us stuck the tragedy into our own veins and and became addicted. Like the the suffering we go through, sometimes it's it's put upon us with no choice of ourselves. Sometimes it's because of the choices we made. But here's what I want you to catch is that when you come to, to Jesus, when you become a Christ follower, that God wants to redeem your pain. God wants to redeem your pain. God does not want to waste the pain that you've gone through. And often we have to go back and process with God this pain that we've gone through. And we have to seek him for understanding of that pain. And we have to experience him as the father of compassion. (coughs) And once we do, and once we meet God in the midst of that pain, and once we experience his life-changing power like Paul did, and we, we experience his comfort, right? Not that there, there, it'll be okay comfort, but the power of God like Paul experienced where he thought he was going down and he thought he was going to go and God rescued him. Paul said, that wasn't for me, that was for you. He said the reason God allowed me to go through that pain, the reason as an apostle he allows me to suffer so severely is so that I can experience him so severely. So that I can speak with power into your pain so that when you're going through pain I can speak with power and authority and credibility that the God of Jesus Christ the God who sent his son to die for us, he is the father of compassion he is the God of all comfort and he wants to meet you. I know you're hopeless. I know that you think your life is over. I know you think you can't go on, but there is a God who loves you, and I've experienced it, and I've been there, and I know that God, and that God can be your God, and that God can meet you in the midst of your pain, and he can transform your pain, and I'm here to tell you that Jesus is alive, and he's real, and he wants to be your God. Amen? You see? And, and that can only happen by someone who's gotten through it. Amen. That can only happen. And so, what is your pain here? What is the pain you're going through now or the pain that you're going through in your life? My heart goes out to you. Those of you who have been, I just think of those who've been molested. Those of you who have gone through a sexual abuse, just horrible things, abuse, beaten by your parents. You've gone through this pain and your, your question is where was God in the midst of it? It's such an obvious question to ask and I'm just telling you, God wants to meet you in the midst of that pain. He wants to meet you in that pain. He doesn't want you to ignore that pain. He doesn't want you to run from that pain. He wants to meet you in the midst of that pain. So you experience him as the father of compassion, as the God of all comfort. And there, once he meets you and transforms you, he wants to send you out to speak with power in the lives of others. And so as we start this series, here's what Paul wants us to understand. That as followers of Jesus, we will not be spared from all pain. That in fact, it's in our pain that God often reveals his greatest power in our life to transform, to shape, to empower us in ways that everyone looks on and says, how in the world are you carrying on with such strength in the midst of this pain that should be crippling you? And you can say, it's because there is a God who raises the dead who lives in me, right? And it's through that pain then that God Shapes us to be healers. A couple quotes there on your note sheet. A.W. Tozer, famous pastor, author of the last century. I love this. It's doubtful that God can use any man greatly until he's hurt him deeply. Wow. I think it's absolutely on the mark because it's in the pain that we learn to surrender absolutely It's in the pain we learn to rely and now we're able to be used. Until that point, we're like a wild stallion. But once we go through that, we become God's stallion, the one that's been broken, that he rides and now we ride together for a force for good. Look at the next one. Larry Crabb, famous Christian counselor, we must face the hard truth that no one loves well who hasn't suffered. Why? Why? Because it's through suffering that we develop compassion. And it's through suffering we meet the God of compassion. And now as a wounded healer, we can speak that word of compassion with authority and credibility into the lives of a broken world that are asking the most important question of all. Is there a God? And can I trust him? And does he love me? Let's pray. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Um, I just want to talk to those of you who are right now, you're in the midst of pain. There's something, you, you've lost a job, you've lost a spouse, your health is going down. You've got a wayward child. And maybe it's a pain about your past. There's an abortion that just plagues your conscience. There's a, an addiction you're struggling with. There's something going on and you're in the midst of pain right now. Or maybe for some of you here, it's not about a pain right now. It's about a pain you suffer from your past. But what we're going to learn is that Jesus has come to meet us in our pain and to transform us, that he is the God of all compassion. And so if you're in that spot today where you feel like you're where Paul is, that you're beyond hope, that you are beyond your strength, that you can't go on, I I want you just to look up today to Christ and, and let him experience, let him come and let him strengthen you in the midst of that pain. And so, God, we, we pray that you would give us courage as a church to, to embrace not only the resurrection of Jesus, but the, the death of Jesus. That as Christ's followers, there are times in our life where you'll lead us into hard times, not because you don't love us, but because you do love us, because there are lessons there that we can learn no other place. There's an experience of you there we can have no other place because it's there that your power can be shown in our life in no other way, and it's there you prepare us to speak powerfully as healers in the life of others. We pray you'd meet us today in the midst of our weakness and reveal your pain. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. That's the message, isn't it? That he's all you need and that that life will not always be easy. There's no promise made that. In fact, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. I guarantee it. He says, but... Don't be afraid because I have overcome the world. This world doesn't have the last say, right? You're going to go through hard but I will be there. I will strengthen you. I will empower you. I will change you. And then I will use you because in Christ, we are more than conquerors, which doesn't mean that there's nothing to conquer. It means in the midst of the battle that he raises us up and strengthens by the time it's all said and done couple of things um, as we bring this service to a close. At the end uh, of every service, we always have a prayer ministry at the back of our church called the Prayer Corner. It's back to my left. Back there's a the sign. If you ever need prayer after service, always there. Secondly, next week, I hope you can be with us. Um, next week, topic on the table is integrity. Um, the Apostle Paul was being criticized from every different angle you can imagine in Corinth. One of the angles was, was that you can't really trust him. He's duplicitous. He's... Uh, He's a man that has mixed motives, ulterior motives, and so you can't really trust what he says, you can't trust what he, he's about. And so it raises this topic of integrity, and what Paul is going to say is, as followers of Jesus, there is no more important quality in our life than integrity, because integrity is what allows trust to happen in a relationship. Without integrity, there is no trust. And so what he's going to say is, God is the ultimate promise keeper. He's the one who always says what he means, means what he says. And so as his followers, it's imperative of us that we would be people of integrity, that, that tell the truth, that keep our commitments, and that live out our values in, in an authentic way. And, and so I hope you can be next week uh, with us because we're going to talk about integrity in the hard times. Because that's when integrity is really tested, right? Integrity is easy when there's no cost. It's, it's when it costs us to tell the truth. It's when it costs us to keep a commitment. It's when it costs us to live out our values. That's when we find out how much integrity we really have. And it's so critical for us as Christ followers to be like our Father in heaven, to be men and women of integrity. And so I hope you can join us next week as we, we pursue that together. Until then, uh, may the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of all compassion, the Father of all compassion, the God of all comfort, may He be your God this week and may He empower you in the midst of your hard times at whatever you're going through right now. Not necessarily that He would protect you from the hard times because we see how He uses them, but that He would empower you in the midst and that He would teach you to surrender. He would teach you to rely And then once you encounter him as your God, they would send you out to bring healing in the lives of others, amen? Amen. God bless you guys, love you, see you next weekend. Well, that's gonna do it for this week's message. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. Please visit us at rockypeak.org where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. For Lead Pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at The Peak, thanks for listening.